0: Support for Industry Focus comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. We're excited to introduce their all-new Rate Shield Approval. If you're in the market to buy a home, Rate Shield Approval is a real game-changer, and here's why. First, Quicken Loans will lock your rate for up to 90 days while you shop. But here's the crucial part. If rates go up, your rate stays the same. But if rates go down, your rate also drops. Either way, you win. It's the kind of thinking you'd expect from America's largest mortgage lender. To get started, go to RocketMortgage.com/fool. Welcome to Industry Focus, a podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. I'm your host Vincent Shen. It's Tuesday, November 20th. Joining me for this show via Skype from beautiful Raleigh, North Carolina, is Senior Motley Fool contributor Asit Sharma. Hey, Asit, glad you could join us.
1: Hey, Vince, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Great to be here. Awesome.
0: So I need to start this show off with a few announcements. First, a heads up for listeners that Shannon and Nick will be taking their days off for the healthcare and energy and industrial podcasts this week. Industry Focus will pick back up on Friday with a special episode from Dylan and will resume our usual programming schedule next week. And listeners, on behalf of the entire Industry Focus team, our producer Austin, all of our Foolish contributors, have a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday. We're incredibly grateful for your support. You guys are simply awesome. This last update is a tough one for me because today is actually going to be my last day in the studio as a host for Industry Focus. After four fantastic years with The Fool, my wife and I are packing our bags, taking off for a new adventure in Taiwan. As excited as we are about the move, I just want to say I'm really going to miss getting into this chair each week, sharing and learning about new companies together. So to everyone who has tuned into the show, whether it was for just one episode or every single week, to everyone who has written in with questions, uh, suggestions, feedback, to all of my guests, uh, our wonderful, wonderful producer, Austin, to Danny and his video team, thank you so much. Um, This might be my last day in the studio, but you'll still hear my voice through the remainder of 2018. I've left the IF crew with some shows waiting in the queue. The new year will come with a new host, but you'll still hear from the foolish contributors you know and love, like Asset and Dan Klein. And who knows, maybe I'll be fortunate enough to make a special appearance in the guest chair down the road. Okay, so without getting too sappy, um, Asset, we have a new name for listeners to consider. Today, we're going to get up to speed on a new way to shop for a car, thanks to Carvana, ticker CVNA. So, I don't have a good reason for why it's taken us so long to introduce this company to Industry Focus, because now that I've had a chance to just look through the 10K, read some earnings calls, this is a like a really cool business. Um, I like how it's changing, uh, how people approach what is often one of the biggest purchases they'll make in their lives. Um, Carvana is a pretty young stock. Uh, it priced its initial public offering in April 2017. Um, af- uh, that was a few years after it was spun off by... Former parent company DriveTime. And as a publicly traded company, it had a slow start out of the gate. So the IPO price at $15 per share, and in its first couple months' shares actually fell below $10. But then Carvana reported its fiscal first quarter results that June. And since then, it has enjoyed a steady climb to a peak of $65 per share just a few months ago before coming down to current levels around $45. Um, that's still a more than 125% gain. Uh, and just a very impressive performance in 2018. So the excitement investors have for this company uh, is in how it has turned the used car shopping and trading experience on its head with a much more tech-focused kind of e-commerce solution. Um, Asip, can you tell us just a little bit, really quickly, about how the buying process works if you're shopping for a car
1: with Carvana? Absolutely, Vince. Before I do, though, um, I want to just quickly say that uh, the last couple of years that I've had the opportunity to be a guest on this show with you, um, I think that's been the biggest growth uh, professionally that I've had is doing this show with you. Um, And I want to speak on behalf of investors, listeners. We are going to miss you, your really sharp insights delivered with that calm, rational tone that's so fun to listen to, um, but look forward to seeing you. And Again, um, you and I had dinner a few weeks ago. I look forward, personally, to uh, someday heading over to Taiwan and having dinner with you there. Appreciate but, it, buddy. It, you got it. I appreciate you. So, to answer your question, brief overview, if you're not familiar with Carvana, uh, this company allows you to complete an entire car buying experience online. And this is amazing to me, being somewhat middle-aged, as I often joke about. I have a young friend who I've mentioned on this show before. His name is Brandon Stokes. He's a millennial investor. And I learn about these uh, Ford-looking companies from him. And I first heard about Carvana from Brandon, who had just bought a used car through this service. Uh, It's very difficult for someone, with my experience of car buying, uh, used to going in and haggling with the um, salespeople, and then having to go sit at the desk and work out if their financing is better than what my bank has. To to think that you can search for a car online using Carvana's technology, they have a patented 360-degree photo virtual tour of each vehicle. You can look at the car report online, see any spec that you want. Then you can have uh, financing offers presented to you very quickly online from Carvana you can finance the vehicle uh, used vehicle through them uh, you can see your contracts uh, really within minutes online and sign them if you want electronically your car can be delivered or if you live in a city in which Carvana has its patented car carousel you can go for this show which is is quite incredible it's a, a car vending machine. Uh, we have one in Raleigh, so I drove out there to look at it. Really elegant, transparent building, and your the car that you've ordered will come out of the car vending machine, and you can drive it home. So that's the service in a nutshell. It removes all of the human interaction except for the touches that you want. So you can call up Carvana and get sales assistance. The people are very friendly when you go to the dealership to pick up your vehicle, But you can see how this appeals to the millennial mindset, which we've talked about so much on this show, how millennials, uh, the younger generation, loves to conduct business through an app. Uh, It's not that they um, don't want to interact with other human beings, but they appreciate the convenience of being able to do everything in a transaction online. So this is a service geared towards a younger generation, which is only going to have more purchasing power as time goes on.
0: Yeah, I'll say that I drove buy one of these uh, Carvana vending towers for the first time actually just a few weeks ago. Um, There's a location near uh, D.C. in this area, and it is just really cool looking. Um, I didn't realize, again, not uh, having followed the company at that time, That these were popping up. I think there's 14 of them currently in the U.S. and it just looks really cool. I looked up some videos on YouTube of what the pickup process is like. If you buy a car and you go to one of these vending towers, they give you this big coin. You drop it in a slot and then the car kind of comes down. This um, kind of like a conveyor belt. Very cool. Worth checking out on YouTube. Get a sense of what that experience is is like. I think it's great for building the brand and just offering something very unique and fun for car buyers um, in what is typically or historically kind of a stressful experience when you're going to a used car lot and, and doing it that way. But based on you know, some of the recent acquisitions that the company's made, um, the key opportunities that management tends to bring up for Carvana, uh, you know, the singular focus here, um, as you've uh, alluded to, is to streamline the used car buying experience. so It's just not something people dread. Um, and I think the used car salesman trope is still something people joke about for a reason. So with Carvana, you can do all the shopping from your couch. You look through an inventory of over 11,000 vehicles. There's that 360-degree virtual tour uh, of the interior and exterior that you mentioned. They even highlight any defects on the car in that. And once you've made your choice, you can complete the checkout process in as little as 10 minutes. Um, Carvana can handle the financing uh, for your used car. I think they do that for the majority of their buyers. And the car can be delivered as soon as the next day. And every car comes with a seven day money back guarantee. So you can return it for any reason for a full refund. Um, I've only gone through the car buying process twice so far in my life, but that sounds like a pretty uh, sweet deal, frankly, compared to what it used to be like. So on the flip side of that, I'd like to pivot now to talk about a little bit of the supply chain for Carvana and how... This uh, business model proves out in the financials. So, the company acquires its inventory from uh, from its own customers, uh, from auctions, and then uh, from rental companies, for example, with these big fleets. And in the process, they screen, they analyze uh, these potential units, to determine the right pricing, how they fit into their existing inventory. The company mentions that every car they source from an auction. To sell to retail customers is purchased, sight unseen. So this is an example of how the company's very strong processes and data at its disposal to make smart purchasing decisions uh, for its inventory supply. And for each vehicle, uh, CEO Ernie Garcia, he said Carvana will put about $1,000 of parts and labor into the car at its inspection and reconditioning centers before capturing photographs and then the imagery um, that it uses to list the vehicle on its website. And once a car is sold, uh, you know, we mentioned how it can be delivered directly to you. You can go to the vending towers. There's some optionality there. Um, so everything that I've described so far, that's for... Uh, the retail side of the business, which makes up the lion's share of Carvana's top line. Something to keep in mind is the company will also sell vehicles via wholesale channel at lower profit margins. Um, But overall, if you've been thinking about how all of this pieces together in terms of the buying experience, in terms of how Carvana operates uh, on its own end, you'll notice that from this description, Carvana is a good example of vertical integration, um, because every step from procurement to fulfillment happens within its own ecosystem. and As a result, uh, something that the company also mentions is they gather a lot of data, and they use that to inform how they approach new markets, for example, how they design the online shopping platform, that experience, and a lot more. So We have a big picture overview of how the company uh, handles its business and the value that it offers to consumers. Next up, we're going to discuss how that all flows down to the financials and some other things. Support for The Molly Fool and Industry Focus comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Let's talk about buying a home for a minute. Because of rising interest rates, there's a lot of unpredictability when it comes to buying a home right now. It's causing a lot of anxiety for people. Well, our friends at Quicken Loans are doing something about that. They're calling it the power buying process. Here's how it works. Quicken Loans will verify your income, assets, and credit in less than 24 hours to give you a verified approval. This gives you the strength of a cash buyer. Then, once you're verified, you qualify for their all-new exclusive Rate Shield approval. First, they'll lock your rate for up to 90 days while you shop. Now, here's the best part: if rates go up, your rate stays the same. But if rates go down, your rate also drops. Either way, you win. It's the kind of thinking you'd expect from America's largest mortgage lender. To get started, go to RocketMortgage.com/fool. Rate Shield approval only valid on certain 30-year purchase transactions. Additional conditions or exclusions may apply. Based on Quicken Loans data in comparison to public data records. Equal Housing Lender, licensed in all 50 states, NMLS, consumeraccess.org number 3030. All right, so with Carvana's latest results, um, you can probably guess that things are looking pretty good given the way the stock has pretty much tripled in the past 18 months' time. But I'm curious, Azo, what has jumped out to you um, in terms of the financial performance or anything else?
1: Several things. Uh, one is, this record of nineteen consecutive quarters of triple-digit unit retail growth and revenue growth—that's a really strong uh, statistic. But it also uh, speaks to the fact that this company is still very small. They just celebrated it, their milestone of one hundred thousand cars sold, and upon that, actually, CEO Ernie Garcia has uh, given a stock grant to employees. I think it's worth about thirty-six million to celebrate that milestone and keep the. The troops revved up. The astonishing growth actually um, presents one thing we see often in companies like this, which are using data and technology to grow very quickly, in that the bottom line uh, is right now in a lost position. But before we get to that bottom line, let's look at this most recent quarter, which is the third quarter of 2018. Sales increased 137% over the prior quarter to about $486 million. And gross profit increased 181% to 57000000 million. Uh, we're going to talk about gross margin and the way Carvana cobbles together its gross margin, because I think it's very important for investors to grasp this going forward. But before we do that, let's just work down to the bottom line. Um, selling and general administrative expenses increased 97%. And the net loss before income taxes increased 62%. Now, I just threw a lot of numbers at you, listeners, but the big takeaway here is that revenue is growing at a faster rate than expenses. So, the company is creating operating leverage. Even though that net loss grew 62% year-over-year year from uh, close to $40 million to $64 million, revenue grew at a higher rate, and that allowed gross margin to also grow um, at a higher rate then expenses, which have um, sort of kept pace. The, these are largely selling expenses, general and administrative expenses, and now the company spending more on technology. Let's talk about gross profit, which is one of the really interesting value drivers for Carvana. Their total gross profit per unit or GPU is two thousand two hundred sixty-three dollars. The company has a long-term goal of three thousand dollars GPU, and that's a pretty decent. Gross profit for a used car company. Uh, And it will enable, it should enable that bottom line to come closer to parity over time. The way that Carvana builds this gross margin is, is extremely interesting to me. The close line share of this comes from retail sales. So if you take this number of about 2,200, roughly half of that comes from the retail used cars it sells. But another 47% comes from finance receivables. So, what happens, as Vince told you, when you buy a car from Carvana, you're offered financing, often at attractive rates versus your bank. If you take that loan, the company then has this long-term financing receivable on its books. It's going to collect money from you month after month. So, Carvana bundles up uh, these car loans and it sells them at a premium without recourse, which means uh, that if myself or Vince, if we stop paying on our car loans, that doesn't go back to Carvana. They don't have to make that loss. That belongs with the person who bought that that bundle of loans. And this is a really lucrative business for the company. As I said, it supplies about half of the gross margin. And as Carvana has expanded into over 200 uh, metropolitan areas, that's its extended reach across the country, uh, it Ups the number of cars it's selling each month, and that drives this total bulk of financing receivables that it sells. So, as a shareholder or a prospective investor, keep your eye on this GPU number as it tracks towards three thousand.
0: Yep, that's an awesome. uh, I'm really glad you mentioned that breakdown for the GPU number um, and some of the mechanics behind that. Uh, It's it's interesting to see that for the full year, um, Carvana expects their unit sales. To come in at around ninety five thousand, with two billion dollars of revenue, and I said, you chime in if I you can chime in if I'm forgetting something." But I know GPU was a big metric that management um, definitely spoke to quite often. But some other things that listeners should be tracking, I think, as they evaluate this business, uh, big ones that jumped out to me: uh, that unit sales volume, seeing that number continue to track higher. Uh, also, something like average days to sale and uh, management has mentioned how that factors in again to that GPU number, and more broadly, uh, you mentioned uh, the the kind of runway for market uh, the number of markets that Carvana can enter. I'm also going to be following the the number of markets Carvana is in, uh, also the advertising spend. Um, but to give you a persp- some perspective on how this GPU number has tracked over time, uh, the that long medium to long term goal of three thousand um, dollars. With this has been scaling up so quickly, it is just surprising to see. You go back to 2014, when Carvana operated in just three markets, they said they had negative gross profit per unit of $200. Two years later, it's in 21 markets with gross profit per unit of just over $1,000. And then another two years later, now they're really starting to work closer and closer to that $3,000 goal. Um, So, With all that in mind, uh, in this next part of the show, I'd like to look a little bit ahead uh, to the horizon at some of the growth opportunities for this company. So, currently, uh, Carvana is in 82 markets. Uh, They have 14 vending machines uh, in operation in uh, in the US right now, sorry. And the company says that they should be within reach by the end of 2018 of 56% of the US population. And in terms of that long term, uh, the, the Runway and the geographic markets that Carvana can can tap into. Uh, the company's focused on the 200 markets in the U.S. with populations over 200,000 people, um, and its current footprint. I was looking at the map; seems more con- concentrated in the south, southeast, kind of mid-Atlantic regions. So there's definitely the opportunity for it to expand to the, you know these other big markets within the United States. It has a very repeatable model for doing that. Uh, management mentioned how it costs the company just500,000 dollars to establish a delivery only market whereas a vending tower runs five million dollars. So but with the vending towers despite that increased investment, they're seeing, for example, the launch of a vending tower in a market will accelerate the results there. Um, again, this kind of brand building um, this brand building uh, location that gets a lot of attention and just uh, builds some buzz in those local markets. And supporting the triple digit growth that this company has been able to uh, deliver, Carvana is also building a lot of the infrastructure it needs to accommodate all this expansion. And in the process, they're hoping to also reduce the time and cost of transportation to buyers um, by expanding the national footprint. So there is going to be a new inspection and reconditioning center that'll. Go live in Indiana in 2019. That'll be the fifth one. So, it expands the annual capacity for the company to handle about 250,000 vehicles. That's over two and a half times the expected unit sales in full year 2018. So, clearly, the com- management is thinking about um, down the road, as they continue to grow their unit sales volume, how they're going to be able to accommodate and handle all of that inventory. And I like to put into context. For this company, just how large the market is in terms of uh, uh, automobile or vehicle sales, and especially used car sales. So I pulled these numbers from Investor Materials that the company provides. There were almost 800 billion dollars in used car sales in 2017, and just 7% of the market was claimed by the top 100 largest used auto retailers. The biggest one has less than 2% market share. So it's a very fragmented market, um, and. That presents a lot of opportunity for companies like this. And there were some interesting comments from, again, CEO Garcia about competition. He said basically, given the large size of the market, this fragmentation among the competition, even if there are new companies that enter this more e commerce focused model for selling cars, um, it'll basically serve to normalize. The concept or the idea of buying a car online, which for some people still seems kind of intimidating to not be able to see or handle or even test drive uh, a car that you purchase thousands of dollars, but overall, it, as that becomes normalized, even if there's some competition, that's something that's likely to lift the whole segment before becoming a more traditional fight for market share. Um, so, last couple things. That I will mention, used car selling is the main business driver for Carvana, but it's also experimenting with sourcing more of its inventory for, from customers. So the number of vehicles that they will purchase directly from their customers grew over 270% year-over-year year in the third quarter, and it made up about 16% of the, the units that the company sold via its uh, retail channel. And the something I want to get your opinion on, Asset, is... You know, all the acquisitions that the company has made in the past few years, um, I know that they're very focused on acquiring certain talent, certain capabilities that support this uh, platform that
1: they've created.
0: What are your thoughts there?
1: The company is now shifting its focus towards technology. So The last acquisition <clears throat> was the purchase of an artificial intelligence company, which will help facilitate more interaction on the site and also interaction via SMS. Uh, Carvan is pretty tech-savvy to begin with, but utilizing the data that they have, they want to be able to anticipate uh, the secondary questions a buyer might have and be able to resolve those quickly, as well as uh, know the buyer a little better from its data sets and suggest different options. Again, financing is one, if you think back to the GPU. I think that's a smart move because at some point the company has to build out some competitive advantages. The thing that it's got going for it, which is gonna prevent competition from totally adopting its model, is its inventory doesn't sit on lots. You know, It gets inventory after a customer makes the, the purchase or that it, it gets it to, excuse me, the, the distribution point, but, Uh, The company isn't in the business of just buying a gazillion cars and putting those on lots. So, it's a more streamlined model. And that contributes to the gross margin, but it also helps free up capital for the technology, these types of acquisitions that you're mentioning, Vince. And I think that's very smart. And I also wanted to say that another inherent advantage going uh, forward for the company is a stat that you just mentioned. this Now, up to 16% of uh, the cars that were sold at, in the last quarter, it acquired from other customers. This is pointing to a customer lifetime value model. It means that I stop going and every time I need a new car to whoever has the best price and visiting different dealerships, I become this customer who wants to really buy and sell every car from one company. And this is a sort of a long-term advantage. If you consider that uh, a competitor like CarMax, again, has that inventory and all the land infrastructure that's tied to that, um, in the time it would take a larger competitor to adopt this model, Carvana can, over the years, convert people to lifetime customers. That's a very exciting um, proposition. So, I think we'll see additional um, small acquisitions uh, from Carvana, one of the things on the balance sheet that uh, indicates that it it probably is looking in that direction is the issuance of $350 million of unsecured notes uh, just recently. So, it now has a little more firepower on its balance sheet, not only to really patch up some of the losses it's generating, but also make a few small acquisitions. So, I do think we'll see more in terms of artificial intelligence. Uh, And as far as the talent, that is, the people that it's bringing on, because the general and administrative expense is relatively lower versus traditional used car uh, companies. In other words, uh, it doesn't have a lot of salespeople standing around lots creating overhead. Um, It has more money to invest in great people, in engineers, data scientists, etc. And and this is something we've seen in companies uh, that we've talked about on the show, analogous, I would say, to Stitch Fix, which is also big on making acquisitions not just of companies, but of talent, of people who can make the systems more optimized to helping you get to that next purchase.
0: All right. so final take then, uh, when it comes down to it, for you Asset, is this a yes stock, uh, a no stock, uh, uh, or something that you're putting on the watch list?
1: This is actually a yes stock for me, but you have to have a bit of a strong stomach. Because the company doesn't have uh, net income per se, I guess the next best metric that we often look at is price-to-sales. And I pulled that up this morning. Carvana is selling at three times forward one-year sales, which actually isn't a sky-high valuation as price-to-sales ratios go, but it is a lot more pricey. I'll bring up CarMax again, which trades at one-half times forward sales. But of course, that's a much more slowly growing company. So, there's potential for even uh, you know, if you purchase this stock today there's potential for a correction and we know the general market right now is soft however if you are yourself a millennial or a middle-aged person like me who wants to buy a great company and hold it for several years I think it's it's okay to start taking a position in in carvana and I do think it's got as I said some structural advantages to sort of fend off uh, competition as it Begins to adopt some of the better aspects of how Carvana operates. What about you, Vince?
0: I'm in the same boat as you. Um, this is definitely uh, a company that has been really, really cool to dig into, do that due diligence. Uh, it's just something that I'm really excited about um, what they're building here, how that's changing the consumer experience. I'm um, seeing a lot of these core metrics like gross profit, uh, seeing those you know go very quickly up into the right, seeing the potential for all these markets that they can enter. Um, this is definitely. Definitely one that I will be um, over time, you know, adding and creating a position. So very excited for Carvana. Any final thoughts, Acid?
1: Yes. Uh, if you have a chance uh, before you invest in the company, if you happen to be in the metropolitan area that has one of the vending machines, go visit it like I did. It will give you a clearer sense of the kinds of advantages I that this company has. I thought it was probably just eye candy. But it creates a bond with the customer uh, when you vend that your car and drive it off the lot. That's different than just stepping in and smelling the, the new car uh, smell and uh, just seeing the shiny new vehicle. So they have they're onto something which is going to implant in younger people this desire to stick with them for a long time.
0: Yeah. Okay. If- I was to boil it down. It kind of reminds me of the ultimate unboxing experience, um, which can <laughs> really change how you perceive a product. But uh, Very cool company. Glad we're able to talk about this, um, especially as I wrap up my time with Industry Focus. Again, thank you so much, Asin. Thank you, Vince. Thank you, Fools, for tuning in. People in the program may own companies discussed on the show. And the Molly Fool may have formal recommendations for or against any stocks mentioned, so don't buy or sell anything based only on what you hear during the program. Move on.